This is Annie Stevens Gleason, Minister for Worship and Incorporation here at the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer. We continue to have conversation around becoming beloved community. The Episcopal Church's long-term commitment to racial healing, reconciliation, and justice. Becoming beloved community represents not so much a set of programs as a journey, a set of interrelated commitments around which Episcopalians may organize our many efforts to respond to racial injustice and grow a community of reconcilers, justice makers, and healers. In this episode, we have Maggie Goff joining us, a parishioner here at Redeemer. Welcome, Maggie. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself? Ooh. Yeah. That could go all kinds of ways. Oh, perfect. Um, so I'm a parishioner at Redeemer. I am, I've been a member at Redeemer for four years and I love it here. And I routinely invite people here because I know there are things that people are struggling with in their spirituality or their faith that I see Redeemer going head in on, like diving into the deep end, um, where a lot of other people would probably avoid it. I think a lot of other institutions are avoiding these really hard things. So, for example, I posted last night on, on Instagram the table that's in the front uh, lobby that has all of the um, books for Pride Week because, I mean, like the Catholic Church just came out and said um, whatever they said about being transgendered and I, you know, it's a mess. Yep. So, I about me, I love Redeemer, I love the Episcopal Church because they're saying the things that I've been waiting for faith institutions to say. Mm, yeah. Beautiful. Um, so here at Redeemer, mm-hmm. we've been doing Becoming Beloved Community, and you have, as a parishioner, um, been walking walking that journey with this place. So, mm-hmm. so why does that why does why does this work matter to you? I don't even think that we can begin to understand all of the ways that it matters to us until we show up in it. Yeah. So I had made the comment in one of our groups, one of our group conversations that you guys had presented that similarly to the um, LGBTQ table that you have set up currently, there was one during Black History Month of books that had been recommended by people who were doing the beloved community work. And my daughter saw one that she was familiar with. And she picked it up and um, mentioned that the little girl, it was a children's book, and so there were illustrations, and that the little girl in the book had weird hair. Mm. And, like, for me, I was, like, what we were in church. And so I was, like, you can't say that. Right. You know, and she was, like, well, but it's true. And so it just led to this really life-giving conversation about while things are true, how do we respond to those and how that's not weird for somebody else. Right, right. It's only weird to you. Um, And in her brilliant truth-telling childness said – it's okay, mom, there's no black people here. Yeah. And so then that led to a conversation about why that might be and what it might be like for us. 
Um, and thankfully we were in the balcony because it all happened literally during church, right, which right. I figured was, you know, godly and holy and all those things. To so be, yeah. it was fine. But so I don't think that we can really understand all the ways that it matters until we participate in it because we don't know what we don't know. Right, right. I know that uh, you really resonated with the, um, the we agree statement mm-hmm. that we, we used in the Becoming Beloved community work um, specifically during the Lenten series. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just share a little bit about that? Yeah, so the a statement was handed out on little cards, and I have it in front of me because um, I saved it on my phone, and it says, we agree there's a lot we may not agree on, and sitting down together we choose to agree on this. One, I will grant you welcome, and I will thank you for the welcome you grant me. I will show up, be present, and be open to creating this experience together. I will speak and listen with truth and love, agreeing or disagreeing with respect and kindness. And I just was so grateful for that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting when we start to do this work openly, mm-hmm. um, intentionally, uh, creating those norms for a place can completely flip the script and change, change, um, change everything going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's. I went to a leadership retreat, and they set the tone. The norm that they set for the couple days that we were going to be together um, was, I see you, mm-hmm. I hear you, I accept you, and I'm here for you. And so it was really fascinating to me the way that that shaped the conversation. And so you know what happened was this immense amount of vulnerability from all of the participants that when we had been at the same same group of people leading the previous year, we did not get that. Um, and so there was just this opening from everybody. And so again, creating those norms changes the way that we enter into those conversations. Yeah. And I mean, we just have so much work to yep. do. We do, we do. And, and we cannot do it unless we're willing to be vulnerable and open to what we don't know and to be hit with some truths mm-hmm. that are really hard. Um, and then the last part about, like, we're not going to agree on everything. Right. And right. I was talking with Phil recently about the showing up, whether it's conversations about feminism or racism or gender anything sexuality and how when you are in a place of privilege you're trying to show up and say the right things and behave in the right ways and you're going to get it wrong a lot of the time right and one of the reasons for that is because like get any group of people together and you will not get consensus right no matter what like put together you know, put together all of the, all black people and say, you know, should we have reparations or should we not? Right. You wouldn't have consensus. Right. And so then for someone in a place of privilege to show up and to, to contribute or be a part, not contribute, but just be a part of. Right. Even listening, you're going to get it wrong. Right. And um, that's the vulnerability piece of it. Yeah. 
um, this was, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but Phil and I had a conversation around um, pride and mm-hmm. marching in pride. And, uh, and you know, he, he was like, I don't know, like, like, I don't know, what, what does that even do? Like, why, why would we even as a place do that? Um, and the reality is when a place of privilege takes a stand and puts themselves in the conversation, the conversation changes. Um, it changes what people see, what people hear, how people interact with it. Um, yeah, so it's it's, and simultaneously, you will have people who will say that people of privilege need to not be participating. Exactly, exactly, and that's that consensus thing again. And so, for a long time, I think that people have used the lack of consensus as a reason to to not participate. Right. Like, well, I can't get it wrong. I can't get it right. Well, like, we're not asking. The truth is, nobody's asking you to get it right. We're asking you to listen. So I had a conversation in a workplace with a um, an employee. Um, so I do workplace wellness. And so I get down in the trenches with a lot of messy stuff with employees. So we were talk- I was talking with this um, man, and we're talking about feminism and the women's movement, all the things. And so I was sharing some of my own journey and some of my own challenges that I have faced. And he started saying, um, well, you know, other people have faced hardships too. And, you know, they find a way. And I was like, listen, like I'm a woman and I own my own business and I'm sitting here today. Like I, I have a contract with your employer. Like I am doing those things. And so it just... So I came up with this analogy that um, we're all carrying baggage, every single one of us. Mm -hmm. Even as a a man, he's carrying baggage because Mm -hmm. he's like, I'm not, I don't live on a yacht. Like, I don't have privilege, right? Right. Like, I haven't been, no one's like paved a golden path for me. And fair enough, no one has done that for him, right? So he has his own baggage. And what I find is that when we show up and want to talk about each other's like our own baggage, the other person goes, well, I have baggage. Right. And so if we can all just realize that like when I talk about my baggage, I'm not asking you to solve it for me. Right. I'm not asking you to have an opinion on the color of it. Right. Or the gender of it or any of it. Right. Right. I just want to say like, this is my baggage. This is my experience. Right. And I am literally carrying it. And right in this moment, all I want to do is just, like, set it down. Yeah. And in order for me to set it down, it's just to be able to tell you about it. Yep. Yeah. And for you to just kind of say, oh, oh, I see your baggage. That's heavy baggage. Yep. That's yep. hard. And then that's it. Yeah. 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 Yes. Like, And then you could say, like, oh, my gosh, I, I have baggage, too. Right. And if we could all just learn that when we talk about our baggage, it's it's not we're not asking you to decide whether it was right or wrong, right. whether we've made the right choices along right. the way, whether we should be carrying that baggage or should not be. Like it's simply our own experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think that when it comes to participating in a pride parade or like any of it, mm-hmm. what we're really doing is just saying, you know, I see your baggage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
And I think, and, uh-huh. and in seeing it, I'm allowing you to set it down right. for a minute. Right, right. And I think that's what, what um, at least in, in the work when we were doing Beloved Community um, during Lent, I was just blown away by the space that was provided for people to share, even even your story of sharing, um, that this is a place that, that can be set on the table. We can talk about whatever is there. We can listen. We just be there. Um, but being in that space and holding that space for it, um, I think was was really powerful and is really powerful going right. forward. Yeah. And it's like even with the hair thing, mm-hmm. I was like, do I? I think there were, I think there would be people who would say like it's okay for her to say that that hair is weird, and there would be people who would say it's not okay for her to say that. And so, again, this is me being vulnerable and going like, well, let's think about what it means if we were to say something like that. Right. And might somebody whose hair looks like that feel something Mm -hmm. about what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's it is messy work. Yeah. Yeah. So messy. But I'm also tired of the other messy. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of not entering the work at all Mm -hmm. and all of us just like holding our baggage with swords and armors right you know yeah like it's (laughs) hard either way (laughs) one one way might might help might move us forward even though it's going to be like slogging forward yeah yeah we just have to all be able to yeah, if we just keep caring it, it's just going to be, we're just going to be so tired and ha- unhappy and angry. Yeah. Um, we get baggage fatigue. Baggage fatigue. <laughs> like, yeah. New term. <laughs> I have baggage fatigue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and not to say that, that um, those emotions don't exist uh, other places, but yeah, yeah, that's, it's beautiful in some way. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything else you want to share for, with the world? Oh, well, you know me. I have so, I have so many things I want to share, but I think in terms of this podcast, that can be good for today. Great. Thank you. Thanks. Join us in our conversations here as we continue our commitment to becoming beloved community at the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in the Queen of the Midwest, Cincinnati, Ohio.